COVID-19 pandemic shows that technology and connectivity allows us to self-isolate more easily and more readily than at any other time. As remote working becomes the new normal, how do solicitors adjust and thrive in this environment? What are the professional negligence risks? And how can these risks be managed? In this program, Jen McMillan, Legal Risk Manager at Law Cover and Accredited Specialist in Wills and Estates, and Malcolm Heath, Practice Risk Manager at Law Cover, discuss the unique challenges solicitors face when working remotely and risk considerations they need to be aware of to minimise the likelihood of professional negligence claims in times of uncertainty. Welcome, Malcolm. Good to have you here today. Thanks, Jen. A pleasure to be here. So, when we think about working from home, we know from our claims experience at Law Cover that most claims come from either communication issues or system problems or problems with documents. It seems to me that a lot of those things are managed quite well in a normal office environment, but maybe when we're working from home, our usual ways of communicating or managing our systems and documents are having to be modified. Do you feel like there are heightened risks in legal practice as a result of the move to working from home? Definitely, Jen, in a remote working environment, um, the risks are heightened for where there are in particular gaps and where mistakes or oversights can occur. So, we really have to um, raise our risk management bar altogether. Yeah. Well, why don't we approach this by thinking about how we manage our matters from home? And I guess if we start from the beginning, what are the things around client engagement that people need to be especially mindful of at the moment? Yeah, good point. The, probably the first one is um, the difficulties surrounding verification of identity when it's not so easy to meet a client face-to-face. So how do we go through that process to verify the client? And one um, practice tip is um, having a photograph of the client and uh, have that sent through their driver licence and have that sent through to the solicitor and then have a video conference link up. It may be by Microsoft Teams or Skype or Zoom And so you can verify um, the person that you're talking to matches that uh, photo of the driver licence and have a recording of the conversations as well. I think that's a great practice tip. And it's worth remembering that um, ARNIC has um, made it clear that under the model participation rules for people doing conveyancing, where ordinarily you might be aiming to meet the verification of identity standard, which generally requires a face-to-face identification, Um, the model participation rules also allow you to take reasonable steps. And it may well be that the, the process that you've just outlined would constitute reasonable steps. And I just caution people that it's really important that they keep a record of how they have verified identity so that um, if they get audited, um, the record's all there. What else with client engagement would you be thinking about, Malcolm? Uh, Conflict of interest checks, Jen. Um, This is one where it depends where the files are and uh, the the law firm, how it operates. However, uh, we still need to go through the appropriate conflict checks and uh, hopefully it is on the practice management system, the the client's uh, details that can be checked against but also importantly to have conversations with colleagues as to whether the um, client, a new client, um, could be 
a potential conflict. It's always important to check that out with um, other solicitors and support staff. Mm, I think that's right. I think um, it's relatively easy, particularly if you work in, in a, say, a, a smallish firm with only a few partners. It's really relatively easy to um, check with everybody if they're aware of a conflict with a client and it may be that it's just a case of continuing to do that but perhaps by email rather than um, face-to-face with, with your colleagues to make sure that you don't miss any potential conflicts of interest. The other thing that I was thinking about was the retainer and the cost agreement. When you're not working in your usual environment, it might be easy to let um, that important step slip. Yes, indeed. Um, Often there is the want to get on with the legal issue on behalf of the client and um, all of a sudden the retainer and the cost agreement is forgotten about imperative that we um, are very disciplined on our systems and processes and that the retainer is completed and also um, looking at it maybe a, a tighter retainer and um, ensuring that it's understood what the role of the solicitor is and what the role of the client will be in that matter and having that cost agreement and ideally returned, assigned and returned by the client um, wherever possible. Mm, yes, and of course, as the matter goes on, it may be that the cost estimate that you gave at the beginning needs to be revised and you need to just be on top of those really administrative aspects of what's otherwise a, a legal matter um, to make sure that you're not putting it in jeopardy, your ability to recover your costs at the end of the day. That, so, that's right. And also if there's a variation, it's so important to document it too because it acts as a very important communication process for the client. There may somebody see that, yes. oh, okay, the costs are increasing, I understand that, or we can't go on further because I don't have the capacity to pay any more and they can have the discussion there and then. Mm, yes, it's a really, really important step. Now, as you're working on a file, and this might be a file that's, you know, a large litigation matter, for example, how are you going to manage to do that from home if you've got part of the file in paper format perhaps back in the office and part of the file electronically and accessible from home? Um, it seems to me that this is one area where there could be a real risk of missing something important. That's right, Jen. It's very difficult working in um, multiple systems, uh, paper-based, electronic-based. Some solicitors will have uh, part of the files in their email areas in, in, say, Microsoft Outlook. It's the time to really try and collate that all and have it electronically. It's really important to get the paper-based documents um, from the office or have them scanned and uh, put in an electronic file to make sure they've got the whole file and and the latest um, information available. One of the key tests for effective risk management is if you're unable to carry out the conduct of the file, could another solicitor step in your shoes and do so um, without too much disruption? And that is an extremely well-managed file if that's the case. I know that's the ideal one and may be a little bit difficult in these circumstances, but that's what we need to try and aim for, to have that whole file. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been transitioning towards maintaining electronic files, but there's still often not a single source of truth where you'd still check your paper file perhaps for handwritten file notes and that sort of thing. I think this is probably a really good opportunity for lawyers to introduce the practice of maintaining electronic file notes, so either 
scanning in handwritten ones or perhaps dictating them and having them stored in electronic format. The important thing is to have a file note. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so importantly. And and voice voice recording is um, a a very efficient way also to record file notes and uh, letters as well. It's it's actually, this whole scenario actually provides a, a, a unique and probably forced opportunity to really upgrade our IT skills and our IT abilities to look for efficiencies. However, with that file to come back and um, if you have work colleagues to check uh, with support staff that you have got the whole file and that uh, the file reviews are conducted on a regular basis as well. Mm. Yes, we'll come to talking about supervision in a little while. Um, But while we're still talking about the matter, um, one of the things that causes lots of claims is when deadlines are missed and... um, when we're not in our usual environment, it might be a lot easier to miss key deadlines. Have you got any practice tips mm. for making sure that you don't? I think all ways to review those um, deadlines, to check diaries um, are updated and there's a centralised diary system where there's more than one person within the law firm and to double-check those deadlines um, that they are actually still still applying and they are confirmed not only within the firm itself but to reconfirm with clients as well because we're working in an area where there's uncertainty, there's vagueness and, and slight confusion and change. So what is so important for the client is to reconfirm um, those deadlines and key issues. So there can be updates also to refer to from the Law Society of New South Wales on their website with regard to court requirements or consider extensions for filings. Um, very important to keep looking at those resources and keeping mm-hmm. on top of it. Yes, I think the Law Society of New South Wales is doing a great job of um, keeping everything in one place for people to look for anything to do with the current um, pandemic crisis. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that I that has occurred to me um, as I've been trying to proofread documents is that when I'm in the office, if I have a lengthy, complicated document, I will nearly always print it off and look at it in paper format um, at home, I'm a bit more reluctant to use my printer and so I'm I'm looking at things on a small laptop screen and I feel much less confident that I'm picking up every little mistake that might be there. Uh, again, um, it seems to me that this is something that people just need to be aware of. Mm. Yes, indeed. Look, I think it's the time to consider that if um, for a solicitor who prefers to work from paper in proofreading to uh, order a printer online and, and have it connected to, to their system um, if that's a preferred way. Or And it is very difficult working from laptop screens or handheld devices. So, again, look at uh, purchasing a larger screen. They're not particularly expensive and the quality of work can increase enormously. So that importance of proofreading, this is critical time not only to check for spelling and grammatical errors but also to double-check those calculations you know we see often claims arising due to miscalculation in stamp duty or gst that can also increase when we're working on smaller devices could include checking on settlement figures and even limitation periods Mm. i I feel really strongly that it's so important to um, get a second set of eyes cast over anything that's um, slightly complicated Um, my practice was always to get Um, two lots of people looking at settlement figures before a settlement of a property transaction. And when you're working by yourself, you might feel like it's a bit of an imposition on other people to be asking them to cast a second set of eyes over over your calculations or your work. 
Um, I think that we need to resist that temptation and we really need to be calling on our um, our colleagues to help double-check things um, even when we're working remotely from home. Yes. So move on now to the issue of maintaining client confidentiality and if you do have paper-based files out of your office, I think immediately that becomes a live issue because you don't know whether um, someone else might come across them. Have you, have you got any tips for how you might manage that better working from home? That's a very good point, Jen, because I'm um, thinking about the content of those paper-based documents and where they're secured, if they're secured at all, and who can access them. So really it's um, reviewing the security of documentation in that home or remote working environment and how can we improve that? Who has access to your computer? Um, and are you uh, working on the one file server or, or is it strictly um, different? You may be on a virtual private network to your main computer in your office. But to reconsider who can read your work, access your work, and what is the um, improved secure environment? Do you have lockable cabinets? And um, are you retaining client documents as well on, on those premises and uh, thinking of the Im improved protection there. We may not be able to get exactly to that office level, but it's risk management is all about looking at what's next best and what um, can you do to reduce to the that. risk? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to talk about communications. Um, we know that communication failures are responsible for a very high proportion of the claims that we receive. And at this time, I think communication is more important than ever. Indeed it is. It um, was 36% of all claims in the last financial year arose due to the breakdown in communications between solicitor and client. And that's the highest claims risk area in normal times. So again, we need to review our fundamentals and ask ourselves in this particular climate, how well are we communicating to our clients and importantly to our work colleagues? And it may be the solicitor acting on the other side because there is a heightened sense of anxiety and stress at play and our behaviours do change when we're under pressure for long periods of time. So it's giving a bit more consideration to other people's feelings. A client may be particularly more apprehensive, uh, could be a solicitor acting on the other side of a matter also in, in the same boat. So it's so important to assess how we're communicating and on a regular basis, particularly with our colleagues, our staff, and making sure that um, we're checking in with them. In our written communications, of course, with emails, um, it's again taking care of those drafts and responses and ideally to have a blank address uh, before we send off the response. If we're a little bit fired up and we receive an email that we don't like or we find it a little bit offensive, it's so often the way that we can then hit the caps lock key and punch out that response and then unfortunately send and that's something that mm. uh, we've seen solicitors get into trouble for doing exactly that. Rather than, say, deleting the addressee, maybe being fired up and hit that caps lock, punch out whatever you want and walk away from it, come back with a cooler mind and reassess and delete. <laughs> Always a good idea. The other thing to be careful of, I think, is not replying all unless you intend to reply to all. I think that's that's... Um, one area where, you know, even working in, in the office, lots of people make that mistake and suddenly mm. you've, um, you've made a communication visible to people who weren't the intended recipient of it. 
What do you think about text yes. messages? I'm working mainly from my mobile phone at the moment um, and I'm handing out my mobile phone number to lots of people I wouldn't normally hand it out to. Um, I think that that probably opens the door for client communications to be happening by text message and, and it seems to me that that might be a bit fraught. What's your view about that, Malcolm? Totally agree with that, Jen. It's a much higher risk area. In fact, we try and discourage solicitors um, communicating with clients and vice versa via text messages for the reason that they're often hard to capture the information, if, if at all, and often the content is ambiguous. It's like a PowerPoint slide where it's abbreviated, um, the language is hard to define, and, um, and often it creates more confusion. So to try and discourage clients from texting, however, if you do receive a text message, to capture it best is to take a photograph of that text message and put it to file and then revert to email to the client as well rather than responding via text. It, we have mm. to remind ourselves that um, it's the time to reapply fundamentals of best communication processes rather than I know it's haste and I know things will be done rapidly, but uh, we risk leaving ourselves exposed if we're going to be relying on communicating via text. Yeah, yeah. How about we move on now to talk about some more general practice management aspects of working from home and the first thing that occurs to me is that when you work from home you're extremely reliant on your IT systems um, but they themselves can pose some risks can't they Malcolm? Oh that's right Jen um, again we look at uh, what the IT system was like in the office as to the remote location and what's the security of your system and um, what IT support do you have on hand you may have your IT consultants um, available, but are they as available as they were? Because a lot of IT consultants now are on um, extra drive with the demands of their time as well. So if you do have an IT problem, can you access your IT um, support people? And are they the same support people as well? It's quite important as to who you're dealing with um, because they've got access to your confidential information. We need to think where we're backing up. If we're using physical servers, um, are we backing up? those servers as well and are we securing those backups are we checking those backups are actually working many firms now are in the cloud so they may give a higher level of uh, security confidence there some solicitors however may be working from a standalone machine or, or a laptop and um, not backing up regularly so encourage the backups and uh, to get right on top of that one thing that we're really mindful of is that this is a time when the cyber criminals will not be taking a holiday and our systems are still really vulnerable to ransomware attacks but also particularly to the kind of email fraud that we've seen quite a lot of in the last couple of years, mainly around substituted bank account details in emails. Um, I guess there's two two things that we need to think about what we can do to try and minimise those risks, but also um, I think it's important to be aware of the cyber policy that law covers insureds have access to. So, Malcolm, firstly, can you talk to what people can do to minimise the risks of a cyber attack of some sort on their systems? Definitely, Jen. Um, one of the key factors is to um, be more prudent about emails uh, that we're receiving. If we are operating on handheld devices, uh, smaller screens, we know that um, the phishing techniques are to often have a similar email to the one that may be coming from the client or the law firm. 
and um, they're getting smarter with their disguise. For example, the email, instead of a Q, maybe a G, um, the C, maybe an O. If we're operating from our small handholds, it's actually quite hard to read those email addresses with such clarity, and we may be working in haste as well. So we need to pause and double-check if there's anything that seems to be a little bit um, dubious. It probably will be, and um, be far more vigilant in that. It's the same with the attached document that comes in and it looks a little bit unusual, please don't click on that attachment. It probably could be a scam as well that will lead into some type of uh, trap. Worse, we often see and we've had claims made where it's resulted from the recipient clicking on that attached document, which is a bogus document, and then they've been asked to enter their name and computer password. Please do not ever do that. Hopefully we've learnt from that and moved on, but it still does occur from mm. time to time, unfortunately, and it can be extremely costly. Yeah, and of course with emailed bank account details, we need to be just as vigilant as ever and always verify those bank account details by another means. Usually that will involve picking up the phone to the client or whoever it is who has emailed you those bank account details and don't use the phone number that was on the email. Try and get no. a phone number from a different source. So um, yes. let's just talk a little bit about the policy that's available if someone discovers that there has been some kind of systems hack. Yes. Yes, look, look I've uh, purchased a cyber policy that uh, came into effect from 1 January 2018. It's been renewed for the last financial year and will continue in the next financial year. Um, it provides $50,000 of foundational cover for law firms resulting from a cyber risk. And that cyber risk or that cyber incident that may fall out of a claim that, that could be protected by the professional indemnity insurance policy. So that could be from a ransomware attack. It could be from a disruption. And it's so important if there's that incident or there's the thinking that funds have been incorrectly redirected to act as fast as possible to contact on the number on the policy, which is 1-800-BREACH. Yes, and for those who like the numbers, it's 1-800-273-224. Um, we've had really fantastic results um, for our insureds who have uh, made claims on that policy where often um, the first, really the first response um, has managed to shut down a problem fairly quickly rather than letting it get out of hand. Mm, yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, more generally on practice management, I think one of the things that people are going to have to really turn their minds to is how they supervise or lead a team when they're not actually seeing their team members face-to-face -face every day. Um, and some firms will have solicitors who are during their period of supervised practice. Um, what are your tips for trying to make sure that proper supervision occurs while people are re working remotely? Yeah, Jen, this is a really important area which requires us all to reconsider our leadership skills and our mentoring skills. Um, the, the tips are to have regular and more regular contact uh, with, with colleagues and staff, and it may be via ways of face-to-face -face through virtual meetings via Zoom and Microsoft Teams, Skype, etc. That face-to-face -face often can be a very helpful process to, one, literally see the other colleague, and um, two, you can pick up sometimes some cues as to whether they're not travelling that well. They may be um, feeling uh, stressed 
Um, also to have more phone conversations as well. So that importance of checking in rather than just a barrage of emails back and forth, which can be overwhelming, particularly while solicitors are doing their own work and, and support staff are doing their own work as well. To monitor the workloads and work distribution as well, like is it, is it being equally shared among the team? Uh, important to keep up the file reviews, um, mm. regular file that, reviews. That, just thinking with file reviews, it, it's not going to be as easy as being in the same room with the person and the file, um, doing a file review with somebody that you're supervising. But I think that we, we definitely need to find ways to make sure that um, anybody whose work we're supervising is properly supervised. So with a file review, it might be the case that you share documents on your screen um, or you um, have a, a method for making sure that um, you're up to date with critical things that need to happen within a timetable. Um, it may need to happen by phone and email uh, or by, as you say, a Zoom face-to-face -face meeting but it's, it's going to be just that much harder than it ordinarily would be and much easier to miss something that might be otherwise picked up if you were physically in the office with the person that you're supervising. That's right, Jen. Inactive files are ones to keep an eye on too because mm. sometimes we're so focused on the work that's got to be done, uh, we're not focusing on actually why is that file inactive, what's going on, and that could yeah. be because of a delay issue. So we want to try and make sure we minimise um, that those issues from arising. Yes, that's right. One other point too on the um, supervision and the um, contact with um, staff, it's important also to think on the social contact and um, having some downtime where we can relax a little bit, maybe have some fun, and that, again, can be um, via virtual meetings and uh, be able to look at having a bit of a laugh and um, the end of week, if you like, drinks that don't have to be alcoholic at all, but session where connecting on that social time that's very important it can be from each other's lounge rooms whatever and you may build in a game or something else that's a little bit novel and a little bit fun because we've got to be a little bit novel and a little bit more creative in our thinking in our communications and for those virtual social times mm -hmm. and that really leads well into the last point that we want to talk about today and that is looking after our well-being and the well-being of the people around us um, Malcolm, can you run through your tips for how you might best do that? Definitely, Jen. In fact, this really is probably the first point rather than the last point, but it's important all the way through. Number one, to ask ourselves, how am I travelling? How am I going at the moment? Am I feeling as comfortable as I normally am? And also to check on the personal wellbeing of our staff and our colleagues, family and friends. It's very important we are under a heightened level of stress and uncertainty and that increases anxiety as well. And we know the profession suffers significantly through those areas of anxiety, stress and depression, even suicide. So we know it's a heightened risk at this time. What are the measures in place? Are we checking in on our colleagues and importantly ourselves? Your firm may have employment assistant program services available to um, the principals and solicitors and support staff. If not, if it's a smaller firm, the Law Society of New South Wales has some excellent services listed for the wellbeing area where you can contact uh, facilities like Lifeline or Beyond Blue. And those numbers should be readily available for all people within the law, law firm. Also, to have your own GP, um, it's really important to um, utilise 
services and medical services of a GP or your psychologist or your psychiatrist. This is the time to really tap in and use those important medical services. It's uh, like our own wellbeing fitness check. We also need to review how, how we're maintaining our fitness or keeping that base, base fitness up because it's so important that we look after our physical health. Um, if you've stopped, as um, you know, we've talked about in the past about the, the gyms or team sports, uh, which are very important socially, and um, uh, if they've stopped, now what are we doing? And um, are we maintaining a, a new regular pattern for fitness? Our nutrition mm-hmm. is an important part of health, our food intake um, and our sleep. How well do we rest and also recover? We may be working for longer hours, um, more intense, under more difficult circumstances, we still need to ensure that we recover properly and that we get proper rest. If we're not sleeping well, if we're not resting well or recovering well, then it's important to tap into those service key service providers. Also on Law Cover's uh, website, there's a wonderful booklet called The Resilient Lawyer, and that's by an outstanding counsellor, Robin Brady, who has worked for many, many years with the legal profession, and it's a simple booklet that's written in plain language. It's suitable for lawyers and all staff in the firm, and I view that as a must-read in helping about well-being and mindfulness. Mm. No, I agree with that. I'd strongly recommend The Resilient Lawyer to everybody, particularly at the moment. I think we'll leave it there, Malcolm, but it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks for listening to Risk On Air by Law Cover. Join us for the next episode and subscribe to stay up to date.